welcome to another special edition of the Atomic Kingdom podcast. My name is Dave, and joining me is Jenny. Hello again. Uh, last weekend, Jenny and Patrick were able to report on the Paley Fest Better Call Saul event, and this weekend it's Fear the Walking Dead. That it is. That it is. <laughs> Uh, the whole cast was there, and then creator Dave Erickson and producer Gail Ann Hurd were also there. But uh, as far as audio, we were able to get – you guys were able to talk to a few people on the red carpet. Uh, we we got a few people, uh, a good handful of them. Others were whisked away quickly, is what, yeah, what I'm told. It was fast moving. <laughs> I just watched today uh, – I guess you could say friend of the podcast. I wish friend of the podcast, but somebody I've talked to on Twitter a few times, Tiffany Smith, who does a lot of DC stuff, lots of DC stuff and some Fandango work and stuff like that. She did a red carpet hosting for the Batman v Superman New York premiere. Uh, And they did this cool thing where they live streamed with three YouTubers, I guess. I think they're all YouTubers who got the chance to be on Skype and ask questions to people as they pulled them up to the podium or the, the little stage they had. And so she was kind of moderating all of that while meeting Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill. And, and I think it's Gal Gadot is how they say her name. I didn't know that. I thought it was Gal Gadot. Um, names are names are a struggle because even though you, you look at it and it's spelled exactly as you would say it normally, yeah. somebody might pronounce it differently. I'm always being hit with. Yeah, no, you pronounce it this way. There's a, there's <laughs> a podcast I listen to where they kind of they read stories. Like they, they kind of read articles and stuff about supernatural things. And this person who reads them gets the names wrong all the time. I'm screaming in the radio. I'm like, just skip the name. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> like when it's a celebrity and you're reporting something like that, then yeah, you want to get it right. But if it's just some random person in a story, just skip it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what I was saying, that looked chaotic. Oh, and also at the tail end of the line was Will Smith. He was there too. Uh, so Suicide Squad was in the house for the Batman v Superman thing. Anyway, uh, it was chaotic. It looked like it was just extreme chaotic, and it sounds like the Fear of the Walking Dead panel was just as, not equally, but still massively. Yeah, there was, the, more so than the Better Call Saul, there was a lot more presence on the red carpet, and we were crammed in there between video equipment stands and one guy on a ladder. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. I was jumping around, got a couple photos of, like, Variety and Perez Hilton interviewing, like, um, it was, it was very fast paced, but it was good. I mean, they still organized it really well. Um, unfortunately we, we didn't get the opportunity to talk with like Kim Dickens or Cliff Curtis, but, um, who we did get to talk to, they, they spent a good amount of time with us and were very, very well thought out answers. They didn't disregard or anything. It was, it was a good cast. It was a good, good opportunity. I mean, you got to talk to Bob Odenkirk last week. That's, I mean, it does. That is kind of a bucket list <laughs> that's, type thing. That's pretty huge. And Michael McKean. So it's like, whatever. That's all, all good. Right. Everything after that is gravy. Totally. So, uh, all right. So you and Patrick did all the, the pho- photographing, the photographing, was what I almost said. Um, and, sure. And, <laughs> and the question asking or interviewing, as most people might say. So, uh, you're going to hear Patrick's voice again, and we want to say thank you again for his hard work in the the nerve wracking business that is show. We make a make a good team because he's just tall enough, and he's he's got the charisma where he can no matter who's in front of him, he can get in front of them and go, "Hey, let me ask you a quick question." And then I'm 
short and run around like a maniac. So I'm ducking under people's arms and I'm putting cameras up in between people and diving under things. So I have become quite the paparazzi camera girl. You got, so you, you, it's you a got good team. You got a good selfie with Cliff Curtis. I saw. I know. I, I've decided that that's my new thing. I have to do a selfie no matter where I'm at to get somebody fun in the background. The, so cor- like, the corner shot selfie. Well, it's it's the funniest thing too because that one I like ran to like this one opening that just happened to open. I was like, quick, quick you know, snap, and then <laughs> ran back. I'm like, all right, professional camera up, go. <laughs> if I had yeah. been at, if I had been at C2E2, I would have definitely done that to Melissa Benoist, Supergirl, or something. Like I would have tried to have done that. We tried to do that last year with Jason Momoa, but he was moving too fast. Oh, you got the one of him shopping for hats. That's where we tried to get the selfie, like, with him. Like, Oh, yeah, it was I've, just a photo. <laughs> I guarantee he would have taken a photo with Liz, but she was extremely too nervous to ask at his autograph <laughs> know, table. There is an etiquette, like, you know, when you're able and when you're not. Like, especially at cons. Cons are, I mean, red carpet, a lot of, like, especially, like, the smaller media groups, it's it's very common for whoever the broadcaster is to go, can I get a photo with you? You know, so you'll see a lot of ones of her, you know, her or him crossing the the thing and snapping a photo and then going back and thank you for your time. Why don't you, but, you guys need to do that? It's a little different. You guys need to do that. Yeah, but we're usually so into getting the good answers. Yeah. <laughs> and we're we're at the, you know, we're moving our way up. We when we started this at Outlander. We were the second to last one in the line. We're like sixth to last now. So we're oh. up in the world. So next, next year as, we're going to be at the as front. As we move up, we'll we'll have a little more time, but we're usually at the tail end of grab as much as you can because that next person <laughs> is trying to get their question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like with Better Call Saul, if we can pick up on somebody else's answer for their, somebody else's question, we'll take it. Uh, yeah, well, even even on this one, usually we're surrounded by some some pretty cool other media outlets. Um, we were next to a gentleman this time who was just a freelance journalist, so he was just there working for someone else. But he was – you can tell that he was a little more professional as than we are because he knew the line was going so fast and he knew Patrick or I would get passed up really fast. The moment he fit, they finished his questions, instead of saying, thank you, sir, he's like, oh, here's Patrick. And he would like pass the mic to him and it's like, awesome, we have you now. You can't run. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting so, away now. So yeah, so definitely, definitely cool. The unfortunate side is the the people on the other side of us were French and very little French. So a lot of the interviews we were trying to get from them were like, "We are from France. Do you speak French?" And oh but man, they were they were good, and I think they got a few few good answers. Hopefully, and and um yeah, I'm it was, sure it was good, and it's it's nice to to talk to the different people and you know see how excited they are or what or what other junket they just came off of. So it was a good little group. Cool. All right. Well, let's not delay any further. Let's get to our first uh, person of interest. And that is executive producer and co-creator Dave Erickson. As the executive producer and co-creator of a show that is basically taking off of another show, do you find it difficult to not go over the same ground? That's one of the challenges, the bigger challenges of the show. I think there's there's always going to be it's the same mythology we have to follow the same rules and there's always going to be thematic overlap in any apocalyptic and anything in the genre i think where we where we're lucky is in the fact that we get to start earlier and develop a more extensive family dynamic before the apocalypse hit and what's exciting to me now is because we sort of have that that groundwork done 
everything that does happen that goes to the tropes of the genre, it really just exacerbates the problems that already existed, you know, and I think, so the relationship between Chris and, and Travis is a big part of this season. Nick's, Nick's addiction or his recovery in season two is going to be a big part of this season. Travis having finally done the thing that both Madison and Liza said were he to do it, it would break him. We're going to find out if Travis is broken or not. I mean, there's all, and what I love is that it all stems from that strangely dysfunctional family. So, so yeah, the, the short answer is yes. Yeah. So we, we don't want to be, we want to continue to distinguish ourselves tonally and in our stories, but there's always going to be some overlap. Since they're now going towards the boat, are we going to see more of the military involvement? And there were whispers almost that the military might know a lot more than they're letting on. Are we going to explore that more, do you think? Not so much. I mean, one of the things, I think we got a taste of it last season, but we didn't get, our, our POV through the military was really kind of slight, and it was usually what our characters were learning. I mean, Robert's never been big on the cause, the cure, or the institutions, you know, and so I think we're going to follow. When, it, when, he goes, when he goes to the rules and the mythology of the comic, you know, that's, we, we live within that, within that realm. Are we going to have a name for what they are in this uh, series? Um, so far, it's still infected. And, and then, but, but if you have any ideas, I'm open to them. You know. All right. So that was Dave Erickson. And the next couple are kind of, well, the next one is, let me see here. No, the next one's a good one. Next one's a long one with, uh, some background cheering, uh, for, for somebody else that gets mistaken. <laughs> uh, it's a cool moment with, uh, with Ruben Blades. Who plays? I lost Daniel Salazar. Thank you. I lost my notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, he plays Sal- Daniel Salazar, the, the patriarch of the Salazar family. I was so excited to to be in contact with him because one, he's been in a ton of stuff. Um, plus, he's a Grammy winner, and his character, though, on the show is the most intriguing. He's the barber. He's the he's the guy that trusts no one. So. Well, because he probably because he shouldn't be trusted, to be honest. Right, right. Because and he he touched on that a little bit in the panel because he's I think he's from Panama, and he he mentioned that to everyone. He goes, "This is all I'm going to say about this." He's like, "If you," he goes, "Everyone should research the political crisis of Central America in the '70s." He's like, "He's you should know what goes on with that," and he goes, "And then just look at what's going on now." <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> he's from El Salvador, the character. Yeah, that's right. Uh, if there's which, back, if there's background look at what's noise going on there right now, which makes sense as well. I suppose I could say this: if there's background noise, it's because there's a Tomb Raider marathon going on in the background at my place of residence. So that's what you're hearing in the background, everybody. Nice. How do we get in on that? I don't know. I don't want to. I've already played it. <laughs> uh, let's, that's that's pre March Madness fun in in the living room. Uh, okay, so yes, so yes, Ruben Blades, Daniel Salazar, uh, who, yeah, he's gonna, I think, gonna have an interesting arc coming up in the second season, and it's gonna be tied a lot with with Coleman Domingo's character, Victor Strand. Well, plus another thing that was mentioned in the the panel, which was a good part, is, and we tap into it a little bit with this interview, is his wife's gone, yeah. his daughter now doesn't trust him, and he's he's. He can go either way right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, all right. Yeah, let's get to that interview because it's a lot of fun, actually. So enjoy it and listen for the Predator 2 mention. So your character obviously has a lot of past in this storyline. Uh, do you feel he's the most suited for the situation that's going on at hand? Yes, he is. Daniel Salazar has already seen uh, the collapse of dreams, of order, of humanity in his um, hometown ever since he was a kid. So he's grown without the type of expectations and dreams that people in the, in the United States uh, have grown accustomed to. And so he is not just cynical, which he might be uh, considered, but also more experienced in, in dealing with the with these type of collapses. And so the rest of the people are like, you know, they still don't understand what's going on. But in the second season, everybody begins to understand it much better. How do you feel his relationship with his daughter will be strained after she's discovered that he might have a dark past and what happened with the soldier that she was involved with? Ophelia, my daughter in the, in the, uh, in the show, Daniel Salazar's daughter, begins to understand that the issue of violence and the issue of inhumanity is not something that is uh, only uh, attached to his her father. It's just something that happens. So she, and because it's happening around her, she's beginning to understand that there is a cruelty that in at times is necessary to exercise in order to survive. So without having necessarily forgiving uh, her father, she understands him, which is, I think, the best hope that Salazar is, uh, may have, that she understands him. Um, so the second season is very complex. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff happening, uh, character-wise, not just with Salazar, with everybody. So the relationship with, her, with his daughter continues to be tense, but I think that there is a space for understanding. Do you think Salazar will go more off the rails now that his wife is yes. gone? He is uh, being affected by her loss. Remember that of, of, uh, Griselda was like his sort of anchor. She was the one that gave him back some sort of order some sort of hope of some kind. Camus, the, the, the writer, French writer, used to say that the absurd, you can give sense to the absurd if you understand and accept the consequences, its consequences, and make them a part of your growth and reason to, to, to exist. So he was hopeful, he was positive in that. And for, for um, Salazar, Griselda was that reason. Once that reason is taken away, he begins to feel it. One last quick question. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Oh, I thought that was for you. I mean, you were great in, uh, what was it, uh, Predator 2. <laughs> um, 
One last quick question. Do you think Salazar will be the best one to get the group equipped for handling the future in this in this situation since he has a military background? Yeah, but I think Salazar, again, when you see how the second series, uh, second season starts to develop, you're going to find that people are becoming more and more adept at taking care of themselves. It's not, it's not like the first season anymore. And you, so you're going to have new profiles coming up and, and understandings and new characters as well. It's really interesting what's happened in the, se- in the first seven episodes. I mean, it's really interesting. Oh, I also wanted to ask you, do you think Salazar trusts uh, Victor? Not at all. Not at all. I don't think anybody should trust him. All right, thank you very much. Have a good day. All right, that was the star of Predator 2, Ruben Blades. Uh, <laughs> next is uh, Lorenzo James Henry, and he plays uh, Christopher uh, Manawa. That's uh, uh, Chris Cliff Curtis's character's son. He's the he's the annoying one on the show, <laughs> in my opinion. He's, what? He's, he's 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 kind of a brat. Oh, I'm I'm so more of Alicia's the brat, but that's just my opinion. It's just Chris, my opinion. Chris got on my nerves quite a bit. I liked him. I mean, the actor's great. the The character got on my nerves. I like the character. He was just like, screw you, mom and dad. You guys fight as you want. I'm going to go out and, like, start YouTube videos. Yeah, <laughs> but I then, like the- I, I didn't like the ex-wife either, his mom. She was cause she was annoying until the end, until the end of the first season. Then she kind of grew on me. But that's how they do that when they're going to. I think that, <laughs> to be honest, and and back in the, the interview with um, Dave Erickson, like, I think that's what kind of makes this cool because it's not repeating what The Walking Dead's doing. But it's taking an already very dysfunctional family. You've got the wife, the ex-wife, the new girlfriend, the dad with the son who's split between the two families. The new girlfriend has the two kids. Like, it's not a functional situation by any means. <laughs> so you take all this dysfunction and you throw it into an apocalyptic setting. Yeah. It's it actually like, it's kind of like when you talk about The Walking Dead, you talk about Rick trying to raise a kid in the apocalypse and how you should be more afraid of the humans than of the walkers. This one's kind of got that as different twist on it, but it's more about the people than it is about the dead people trying to kill you. Right. This should show, I mean, this show should show us why we shouldn't trust, like the reason why humans are so untrustworthy, like why, like how they got to be that way. Uh, But it also should also teach you like, compassion and such because even though you come off as a complete dick there might be a good reason for it you know Mm -hmm. like you can't really fault daniel salazar and why he's the way he is because of what he's seen you know yeah you have to kind of i mean it sounds twisted but you have to respect that and you have to kind of entrust that on him because he's been there done that um but yeah we'll see but yeah very dysfunctional set here (laughs) <laughs> All right, so then, uh, yeah, let's talk to Lorenzo James Henry now. Do you think Christopher will understand what his father had to do was more of like a mercy thing, or will he hold it as resentment? I mean, that's a very tough yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, that is going to be his journey for season two. It's it's not just an overnight thing that happens. Um, and I don't want to give any spoilers away, so I can't really say anything. Do you think he trusts Madison at all? Um, yeah, I think he sees her, her goodwill. I think he sees her inclination to protect the family. So 
opening into season two, he definitely trusts her. Do you think he could ever be friends with her, though? Yeah, I think there's definitely a possibility, for sure. All right, thank you very much. All right, that was Lorenzo James Henry, and next we have the mysterious Coleman Domingo, who plays Victor Strand, who we know nothing about other than he just wants to survive on the show. Other than he's one of the most suave men I think I've ever met. He is, <laughs> he's, he's pretty damn smooth. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, this is another quick one. Uh, we got a couple questions in, though, that pertain to his character and possibly learning more about him and his motivations. So, uh, yeah, not much to say. Let's just get into it and hear what Jenny and Patrick ask Coleman Domingo. Do you think Victor actually has good intentions and redeeming qualities, or is he just basically going to do whatever he has to do to save his own butt? He basically would do whatever he has to do to save his own butt. <laughs> That's what I think. I think that it's like, you know, I think he's not, he lives in the world of black and white. He doesn't live in gray. And it's about and it's very he's very clear about his intentions, and either you can get on it or uh, propose another uh, solution that's better than his, and he'll stick with it. But I think he's someone that's how he survived. And you're going to find out in season two that that's how he's got to where he is. You know what I mean? Do you think he would save someone even if it didn't serve his own best interests? Would he save someone if it didn't serve his best interests? He he talks about having things have to have a value add. It's all got to. It's all like it's all like um, I don't know. On a notebook for him, it's like okay, wait, does this make sense? Does this make sense? Okay, what is the value add from this? Let's do that. It's all about that, and that's the bottom line. He's a great businessman. Well, Nick knows they left a whole lot of survivors behind. Is that their little secret? Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, that was Victor Strand, or just Strand. I can't remember. I think it, they called him Victor. I don't remember. It's been a while. His name is Victor Strand. Everybody just refers to him as Strand. Strand. Kind of like nobody yeah. says Daniel Salazar. It's just Salazar. Salazar, yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, he's cool. I I, I hope I, I can look forward to seeing a lot more of him this season, hopefully. <laughs> out of all the photos I took, I could probably have put 500 photos out there of just him, like him and his hat and his turtleneck. He was pretty suave. Just saying. Fangirling. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to our final uh, act- actress, act- actor. Act- uh, I'm going to give up on talking. Uh, the final person we spoke to, <laughs> or you guys got to speak to, is uh, uh, Alicia Debnam Carey. I say it right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, coincidentally enough, plays Alicia. <laughs> Almost the same. That's an name. easy one. Yeah. And that is. Uh, Kim Dickens' character's daughter and uh, Nick Frick, Frank Delane, I think it's Delane, uh, his character's sister. Uh, I liked her probably the uh, no, she got on my nerves too at the beginning with the boyfriend thing. Like they, but she was rocking a pretty awesome Adidas jacket through most of season. One. That's true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> she had she had some style during the 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 on the 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 oncoming apocalypse. I know the the question I wanted to ask, and I couldn't figure out how to word it enough. Is I don't think they developed her character that much in season one. No, but it's hard. How do you tell? How do you tell an actress? I don't think you're very developed. So well, you uh, could have you could have gone the background way, and do we get to see more of your character this year? Like this season, does she get to do m- more? Like, is she going to be like where do you see the character going? Is she going to be like this warrior, or is she going to kind of try to like? Is she going to be like this damsel character like where is she going to progress right. to well, 
Yeah, and totally. And, and you can tell that with other characters. Like, you know, the Chris character, you kind of know where he stands. You you know the type of kid you're you're looking at, especially with the Nick character. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you have this sort of basis of what you think their characters are. If they're good, they're bad, they're, they're struggling or they're successful. Almost everybody on the cast, you have a good a good grasp of who they are. I don't I didn't get that in season one with Alicia. So she's kind of this this moving target going into season two that I, I hope they develop and I don't know which direction they'll take her. You know? She yeah. seems to have compassion just because of how much she wants to protect her brother, but there there's gotta be more layers there that I'm super anxious to see what they do with. Agreed. All right, well, let's hear what she has to say with uh, the one or two questions that you guys give her. So here is Alicia Debnam, Debnam Carey. Yeah, I think that's um, definitely a defining factor of this whole season in general, that we are on a boat in a very confined space. Um, we're having to now look at the relationships with everyone uh, and their alliances with each other, the, the dynamics they have with one another, where they whether they can trust each other. Um, and when you're thrust into an incredibly unique and volatile situation, what are you kind of willing to do and how will that change you? Yeah. yeah. Do you think that your character finally, because I felt like in the first season she was a little apprehensive, like with the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Do you think that she finally is like realizing how dire the situation is and how serious everything is? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, slowly after time. With her, I think it's definitely still a slow burn. Uh, there's a rationality that is still inherent with her that, this has only been happening for a couple of days. Sure, yeah. um, and to come to terms with such a, a different world in mm-hmm. such a short amount of time, um, it, I don't even know how to comprehend that. So um, it, she's maybe slower to adapt to this than everyone else. Sure. But I think that's what makes her evolution exciting because she's still drawing and still um, pining for what she knows and what she understands, which is being a normal teenager and, mm-hmm. and having a boyfriend and having a life. And, yeah. Yeah. Can we expect to see your character kick some butt this season? Yes, <laughs> definitely. I think that's what's also great for the fans. It's definitely we start to see more of the infected. We start to have a lot more fight sequences. And, and yeah, Alicia finally gets to kick some ass, which is nice. I've been waiting for. <laughs> uh, quick question. Do you, do you think uh, she feels responsible for Nick with his problems? And is there a breaking point for that? Uh, yeah. There's definitely a lot of push and pull in that relationship in, se- in the second season. Um, whether she feels responsible, mm, she's dealt with this for so long um, that now there comes a time where she has to really decide whether this is her problem or not and and whether she can rely on him because she's always wanted to and I think she loves him as a brother and, and needs him there, but I don't know that he can actually deliver that. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, so that is our red carpet, the interview portion of our Paley Fest Fear of the Walking Dead coverage. Uh, Jenny also has, which is in the show notes for this, the link to her actual coverage of the panel, where she'll go in depth about what was said there and all the pictures that she was able to take on the red carpet and such. Yay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one thing I wanted to, like, with this show, with Fear of the Walking Dead... I, so far, you can't look at a character, oh, that's their Rick. That's their Daryl. Here's, this is going to be Carol. Like, I don't get that from any of them. Like, what's cool about Travis, the Cliff Curtis's character, he, it took him forever to finally kill somebody. 
Like, I didn't realize it while watching it, and then when we were talking about this before you went, like, that woke me up. I'm like, yeah, he didn't kill anybody for, like, till the end. And yeah, they, they definitely, you know, we had somebody in line before us was asking questions, and they asked, um, they asked uh, Coleman, the guy that plays Victor Strand, they asked him about, is he going to be Fear the Walking Dead's Michonne? And I'm like, no, what? You know, and you can't you can't compare them because I mean, there, that like, there like, are characteristics. I, like you could say, you know, Madison's character is the strong one, so maybe she's a Rick. But there, like I was saying earlier, the show is so different that it's focusing on the dysfunction of of this group, where that's the storyline. I think more so than. We'll see how it develops because there's there's so many opportunities for each of the characters. Hmm. Yeah, that just seems like a really bad question. It's a really bad question. Like almost, I don't want to call this person racist, but it seems racist. <laughs> I don't. It's <laughs> yeah, like, it's like yeah, yeah. I I I kind of did the eye roll, going, you know, yeah, that's not the best question maybe yeah i don't know all right (laughs) so all right so that's our coverage of paley fest this year uh we of course will attempt to be back there again next year and they do stuff all throughout the year so uh hopefully we can get to a few more of their 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 things and look this weekend or at the end of next weekend i should say for jenny's coverage of WonderCon. yep that's coming up fast so we'll have some cool stuff from that as well and uh, all you know, all kinds of stuff. Our next podcast episode will be uh, our hundredth episode review, and then actually we're gonna do some Batman v Superman reaction after that. So you'll you'll find out what we think of the movie, even though my review. You'll, you'll just find out that Superman rules. Uh, I'll go bipartisan and say it, Wonder Woman. <laughs> Amen. I'll keep it civil tonight because uh, I'm seeing it tomorrow. But, nice. uh, yes, our review of that will be up. The review of 10 Cloverfield Lane will be up by then, so you can head over to TomGeekdom.com, AtomicGeekdom.com to find all of that cool stuff, and Jenny's very impassioned review of the last two episodes of Black Sails. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yes. Take it easy. <laughs> um, and we're going to start doing some movie reviews on our Geek Out episodes. So if you have a movie that you think we should watch and review something obscure, maybe lesser known, uh, let us know at Atomic Geekdom or Jenny, you are at? Robbie Art. Let us know what we should watch and we'll talk about it on a Geek Out and we'll make an attempt to have the creator or an actor or something get on the show with us to talk about it as well. So make any kind of suggestion. Like, let's be reasonable here. Let's not suggest Batman be Superman because we're not getting Ben Affleck anytime soon. <laughs> so let's let's be reasonable. But you know, something lesser known, like we did uh, Wormwood. That was a lot of fun, and we had you know the actor, the star of that movie on our show, Bianca Brady. So she's she's doing some cool stuff right now too. So hopefully we'll get her back soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so yeah. Um, I think that's all. Yeah. Hit us up at Atomic Geekdom, info at AtomicGeekdom.com, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, so, what are, so, uh, Instagram, that kind of good stuff. Like and subscribe on iTunes. Review us. would be fun. Cool. You don't have to, but it would be nice. And yeah, that's it. Jenny, you, of course, get the last word. Chocolate.